0: so check that out. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just send me an email to Project at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get rolling. Hey guys, I'm back and we're here today with
1: Bern Seidenthal from Ludeca. Bernd, how are you today? Very well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. And, you know, this one, we're going to be talking today a little bit about bearing installation. And last time we had Adam Stretto on from Ludeca, we talked about precision alignment. This is another one, like proper bearing installation is another one of these things that I put in the category of precision maintenance. And it's something where, you know, we need to be doing it so our equipment lasts longer and we don't get some of those reliability problems that kind of pop up later in life. But before we dive into it, Bern, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, how'd you get your start in maintenance and reliability?
2: Well, I actually uh, started at Ludeca uh, over 30 years ago. And uh, basically, the, uh, life was a lot different 30 years ago. Uh, Internet wasn't quite as popular as today. Google Maps did not exist. So we still had the land cards that you had to go through and uh, Getting in touch with people, facts is uh, were the way to go. So um, I started in the marketing department setting up appointments uh, for customers to, to see us. So over the years, uh, I migrated into sales and did uh, sales in the state of Florida for uh, over 10 years. And I'm uh, now in charge of, uh, I'm a product manager for the induction heaters uh, here at Ludeca. And I'm also in charge of our CRMs or our, uh, our database. Uh, so uh, uh, that's, that's pretty much how I got dragged into reliability, maintenance, kicking and scratching. So I'm, I became a CRL a couple of years ago. But uh, highly interesting, highly interesting to to see how industry works and how industry changes uh, over time and how they adjust to new technology. So, yeah, that's how I've been involved in this now for quite a while.
1: So when you say changes over time, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Like what 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 changes have you seen?
2: Well, um, I mean, you've t- been talking to Adam Streddle, so in, in, in shaft alignment, uh, from the induction of shaft alignment, uh, almost, ooh, the introduction of the first one was around 1984, where it was an invisible laser. So we had to assume that the beam was there, and uh, user friendliness wasn't quite as, uh, as it is today. So going and introducing a laser in a computer, you had to go say it was a line, uh, it was a, a beam of light, and it was a display unit because computers back then were a little intimidating and lasers. We were still thinking Star Wars. Uh, so nowadays, you know, people because of the internet, they, they, the simplicity of use. Uh, the, the more power, being able to do more with with less. Uh, well, you see, the maintenance departments get decimated nowadays. You know, the 30 people they used to be now you got five people running around doing the same thing. So uh, those changes have evolved. Induction heaters or installation of bearings was pretty much a rosebud or a huge sledgehammer and a couple four by fours, and you just get it on, and it was no big deal. Uh, But as time has evolved, money has become an issue and uh, you want to make sure that you do more with less. So in in the area of the induction heater, one thing that we've learned recently is that it's not always good just to go do it fast. How fast does it do it? Well, it can do it in a minute. Well, it might not be such a good idea to do it in such a a short period of time. So, you know, the short term... Comes with two induction heaters, well, not two induction heaters. I take that back. With two temperature probes. Why? Because it monitors the ID and the OD temperature. Because if you heat it too fast, it starts squishing. It starts. Squ- it starts squishing the ball bearings, which deforms them, which already creates damage, which means it's it's bound to fail. So in that sense, a lot has changed because we are we expect a lot more from the equipment we use for doing reliability.
1: Yeah, and I mean, if, if you're doing more with less, you really have to do the the fundamental things in reliability and maintenance. So then the you can actually do the less part later. <laughs>
2: Correct, exactly.
1: So I guess before we get into the nuts and bolts of bearing installation, can you just give us, like a little background of like, what are the benefits of installing it correctly? Like obviously, you know, we're going to reduce failures in the long run, but are there any other benefits that you see?
2: Well, the the, the thing is, is by reducing failures, you have to start from the beginning and the beginning is proper installation. So um, if you damage a bearing during installation, no amount of alignment, no amount of lubrication, Uh, No amount of care is going to prevent the failure from taking place. You can prolong it, but you've already introduced a failure into the system. And the failure is before it even started, before it made its first revolution, you, you introduced failure. So instead of saying, okay, you know, this machine should run for 24 months before we see anything of significance occurring, it might come in three months or in six months, depending on speeds and stuff like that so um yeah that's 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 the 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 problem is at the beginning so do it right to start off with so shaft alignment is great vibration is great lubrication is great but if you install it properly all that will do nothing to prevent the failure from taking place
1: absolutely and it's something that since i've been teaching the pf curve uh jason tranner uses I think point I for installation, another thing I like to talk about when I talk about the PF curve is like when it arrives at your site or when it manufacturing, how you hold it in spare room, like a lot of those things, like with bearings, especially you can get stuff like false brunelling if you don't hold it correctly in your storeroom. So there's a little bit more that you can do as a reliability engineer that even happens before installation. Absolutely. So I was doing a little research, and it looks like there's two primary methods of installation, and it's the the press fit or the thermal installation. Can you explain the differences between the both, and when should we use which?
2: You use press fit when you when you don't have induction, basically what it is, and 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 press fitting uh, is using force. Okay, so. Uh, You have an interference between the bearing and the shaft, and you use force to install it, it, whether it's uh, hydraulics, whether it's a sledgehammer, whether it is uh, uh, any kind of force in order to slide that bearing onto the shaft. So uh, when is that used? Like I said, if you don't have uh, a form of heating, So it's not just induction heater because there's there's other methods of heating which are not as efficient. But you can either heat it, expand it, which is called shrink fitting. You expand it and put it on the shaft or you basically, you can beat it on (laughs) or you can force it on, which is one and the same. Hydraulics would be the more efficient way of doing it and, and, and probably of the two, the more proper. But I've been in facilities where I see four burly guys. I mean, these mountain guys with sledgehammers and four by fours, and just whacking away until the bearing is where it needs to be. And they have already introduced a problem with that, especially in that type of force. So, yeah, press fitting is basically force fitting, and the other one, which is press fitting and and friction feeding, and the other one is through heating and an expansion.
1: Yeah, and. I I think, I mean, we've all seen people use sledgehammers to install bearing. And I actually, I put together a a video, just a kind of a tongue in cheek, look at it. Um, And if, if people are, are listening and you haven't seen the video yet, you can either go to Rob's reliability project, LinkedIn page, or you can go to Rob's reliability project on YouTube. And the video is called sledgey, the forgotten sledgehammer. And it's a. it's just a tongue-in-cheek look at it, and I hope you enjoy it. But either way, when we're talking about installing a bearing with thermal induction, we're really talking about heating it up so it expands, so then it fits around the shaft, right?
2: Correct. That is correct.
1: So, how, like, what's the process for that? How does that work?
2: Well, in in, in very layman's terms, is you're creating a short circuit basically you have an induction heater which creates a current so you have a magnetic flow that's going through the induction heater and then you place a crossbar through the bearing itself and the bearing itself because it's round has its own current so the molecules are floating around and going in one direction so as the two meet while the bearing is on the crossbar you create the short circuit and what it does is it heats from the ID to the RD. So it heats outward. So that is basically the process. So you're using mag- a magnetic field, an eddy current, to, in- to heat up the bearing itself. So it's not by contact, it's basically creating a short circuit.
1: And it must be really important to heat the bearing evenly. Absolutely. So after we're done heating the bearing, is, is, the, is the really the steps just heat it up, slide it on, and then remove the heater? Or are there any other steps in this process?
2: That, that is the short and sweet. Yeah, heat it up, slide it on, you're done. Uh, there's some steps, obviously, that you go in between. So you got to make sure that you have the correct bearing for the size shaft. So the interference has to be such or the clearance has to be such that you do not exceed uh, the heat applied to the bearing to over 250 degrees Fahrenheit. So the most you want to heat a bearing is to that temperature. So if you need to heat it more than that to fit on the shaft, you have the wrong bearing. Okay. So the problem with heating it above 250 degrees is a bearing, you'll start changing the metallurgical structure of the bearing. So you're creating a damage to the bearing itself. There's different materials to bearings, but in essence 250 degrees is what you will hear most bearing manufacturers say, please don't eat our bearings above this temperature. You also have to make sure that when you're sliding it on the shaft, yeah, you expanded it, but you have to make sure that the shaft is clean. You got to make sure that the shaft doesn't have any burrs or nicks because that changes the, you know, the interference. So you slide it on, there's a burr, you slide it through because the bearing is, is 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 hot you can scratch up the bearing uh you might not be able to seat it properly onto the shaft so there is some steps that needs to be taken uh, before during and after to make sure that it's correct like a lot of people would like to spin the bearing to see if it's working don't spin the bearing it's hot you wait until it cools down to then make sure that the bearing is is one properly seated and that it will up spin freely and for cleaning the shaft, how do we do that? Well, I mean, there's there's all kinds of methods. If you have burrs and you have nicks, you can use a grinding machine to grind off whatever burr or nick might be on there. And make you know use some 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 soft sandpaper at the end, not soft but metal sandpaper, uh, to to get the surface clean. So you want to make sure that you'll sometimes want to lubricate the shaft. Also, sometimes the sliding on. Will will make a difference, but usually the the manufacturer of the pump or motor will give you specifications of what to use in those processes. But you know, as as far as what a what a maintenance department uses to to remove those nicks and burrs that might occur during the removal of the shaft or during normal maintenance of the shaft, that every department every maintenance department has their own methods of doing it. But they need to make sure that that dust taking uh, that. Is taken care of
1: should we be lubricating the bearing or the shaft during this process
2: okay so the lubrication of the bearing a lot of times come depends on the bearing manufacturer sometimes bearings come pre-lubricated so it's essential that you use a method that does not remove the lubricant that's in the bearing uh, most bearing manufacturers have a procedure that if a bearing has been in storage for X amount of period of time, so if it exceeds a certain period of time, they will recommend that the bearing is flushed and re-lubricated. And uh, what lubricant, that's up to the bearing manufacturer, also depends on the process. So should it be done? That's all dependent on what the specifications of the bearing manufacturer uh, are at that point. Should you lubricate a shaft? Once again, bearing manufacturers sometimes will recommend it. Sometimes they won't. Sometimes the pump manufacturer will say, don't lubricate it, go ahead and lubricate it. So you need to then take into account the specifications of the manufacturers, the pump, motor, uh, gearboxes, uh, the the bearing manufacturers, have, everybody has their own standards, what they adhere to. So it's very important that uh, whatever specifications are being put forth by those manufacturers, they be followed. Uh, obviously, to a T.
1: So if we're heating up the bearings to, you know, 200, 250 degrees Fahrenheit, that seems pretty warm. Like what safety precautions do we need to take?
2: With induction heaters, usually the only safety precaution is to have the proper uh, gloves or handling materials, because obviously if you have a huge bearing that weighs a couple of hundred pounds, you're going to need an overhead crane. But if it's a small bearing that somebody can handle with their hands, 20 pounds, 30 pounds or something to that effect, uh, you, knew you need the proper safety equipment. So every department has their own safety standards of what they need to use. But best, uh, best practice says have proper gloves or heat gloves that will handle temperatures up to 250 degrees or obviously probably more than 250 degrees in order to be able to handle the bearing because you're going to have to remove it and then install it.
1: And what type of tools do we need other than the induction heater?
2: If it's in an ideal situation, all you really need is the induction heater because everything is on the induction heater. So you just place the induction heater, you turn it on, you set your temperature, you apply the temperature probe, uh, you let it heat. Uh, some induction heaters will hold it until you stop it or others will stop it when it reaches the temperature. Um, it demagnetizes automatically, so any induction heater that anybody looks or considers should have an automatically demagnetizing cycle. Because against, like I said, you know, using uh, magnetic currents, it magnetizes the bearing. You don't want a, a garbage collector or metal collector. Um, uh, so additional equipment really all depends on, is it new installation is a, you know, is it a replacement? So you'll need, you know, grinding equipment or whatever else to make sure the shafts are, are clean. Uh, sometimes they need rags to clean the area, the surface, clean shaft. But in essence, the induction heater is really all they need.
1: Once we've installed it, if we're looking at taking measurements. How much clearance do we typically need?
2: Um, Every bearing manufacturer, based on the bearing itself, has certain clearances. So if you have a high precision bearing, the clearances are going to definitely be a lot tighter than, you know, a a regular bearing. and, and, And I don't have enough knowledge in bearings themselves to tell you, oh, this type bearing or that type bearing. But the bearing manufacturer has specifications for every single one of their bearings of what the clearances need to be.
1: With with the different types of bearings, like when I did some research, I saw that there were three different types of fits: interference, line to line, and loose. Can you explain each one of those and why? Like, why do they matter?
2: Um, there's the there's actually. Three kinds of fits. You got the interference fit. You have the force fit, and then you have the shrink fit. So the force fit and then the interference interference fit are both they both use force. So the interference is also known as a press fit or friction fit. Okay, uh, it's the fastening of two parts with uh, inner component and a larger than outer component. So you've got to make sure that the shaft is larger than the bearing you're putting on there that's where the interference so the shaft will wrap around it Uh, the the force fit uh, is also designed to maintain control under pressure between the mating parts so you want to make sure that it's tight enough that it's going to hold but not too tight that it's going to remove the clearance between the bearings and the uh, uh, between the ball bearings and the od and the id okay and the last one being shrink fitting which is expanding placing and then and then uh, shrink fitting onto the shaft or cooling around the shaft so those are the three types of fits that normally exist in in, in maintenance of uh, or in the installation of bearings
1: and when we're doing a cooling to shrink it what tools do we need for that
2: nothing just nature takes takes care of its own once you heat it it will cool down back to room temperature um, some bearings cool down faster than others larger bearings take a lot longer than smaller bearings uh, so but it cools down fast enough that within a few seconds sometimes uh, it will already have uh, wrapped itself around the shaft so you can't you you are pressed for time and it's, it's funny you said pressed but you're pressed for time that when you're done with heating it, you should right away take it, place it, and put it in place of where it needs to be because you don't have the luxury of saying, oh, yeah, we got time. You only have 250 degrees. The interference fit sometimes is, 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 is so tight that it will take seconds and it will wrap around the shaft. So if, if you take too long, you might end up getting stuck halfway to where you need to go. So you really know, yeah, that, then that, that would be a bad thing because then you have to remove it and then probably use a new bearing, depending on how you, how do you remove it.
1: <laughs> then the sledgehammer comes back.
2: That's exactly where it comes in.
1: So other than, you know, using a sledgehammer, what are some common mistakes you see when people are installing a bearing?
2: Blowtorches. Rosebuds, you know, I've heard people say, Oh, I got an even hand, I can heat this evenly. Well, it's not a matter of heating it evenly. Uh, blowtorch temperature is slightly above 250 degrees. So it doesn't matter how well you take the blowtorch around uh, the, the bearing, uh, it, you will exceed 250 degrees and you will have hot spots and you will damage it. So blowtorches are, are things that just amaze me that still this day and age, knowing what we know, it's still being used. Oh, yeah, use a rosebud. Yeah, go ahead and put it in. We don't have time. Time being, key, time being the key factor. When something goes down, it needs to be up yesterday. Uh, so, you know, you, you definitely feel for the maintenance guys because production is usually standing there looking at their watch going, what's taking so long? So um, yeah, uh, rosebuds are what concerns me the most. And also, we still have facilities that use oil baths. Uh, I call it the French fried method. You, know, you have a little oil bath, heat it up, put all the bearing in there. Once you have something that measures the oil, you're assuming that over a period of time, the bearing will have the same temperature. But then you have to be careful you, that, the, that the oil doesn't reach uh flash temperature because then you can have a fire and then the safety equipment is a lot more because then you have the oil you know splashing all around also if the oil is new you contaminate the the inside of the bearing uh you remove the lubricants so you know, using other methods uh, other than induction heater, I mean, hot plates and 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 uh, and ovens are are out there and they're they're good, but not as efficient. So if we're looking about efficiency or talking about efficiency, and and time being constrained, uh, induction heaters are the, the best ways to go.
1: And typically, like for an induction heater, like how much would one ballpark cost, and then how long also would it take to heat up a bearing with it?
2: Okay, so the, the the first one depends on the size. So induction heater doesn't work on size; it works on weight. So induction heaters can certain induction heaters will heat pieces up to twenty pounds or thirty pounds or fifty pounds or a hundred pounds. So based on the weight of the bearing, is the size of the induction heater that you will use. So a bigger bearing will need a little more power, so you'll need a bigger induction heater. So based on that is the induction heater that you will you will select I had somebody call me today and say hey can you quote me an induction heater great uh, what's the what's the weight well oh, it's 20 inches okay that still doesn't tell me what the 20 inches it's 20 inch OD but yeah it's a 10 inch high bearing or it's a one inch high bearing and that's going to be the difference between one induction heater and the other one. And your second question is a loaded question because when somebody calls me up and says, "Hey, Burn, how long is it going to take to get the this bearing from room temperature up to 250 degrees?" Uh, it also depends. What's the material of the bearing? What's the size of the bearing? You know, and and, and that all will make a difference. But uh, one of the things, one of the key things, is that, that I always tell the guys in the maintenance department is, take your time. It's not a race. You want to do it right. So if it takes a little longer because you're being careful about what you're doing, and in, in the case of, uh, for example, in the case of a high-precision bearing, we have an induction heater called the SureTherm, which uses two temperature probes. So it monitors the ID and the OD. The, the, the problem with the precision bearing is, is the clearance is so tight and it's so small that if you heat the O the ID too fast, it will push the ball bearings into the OD which will squish the bearings and cause brinelling and deforming of the balls. So what you will do with the two probes is this induction heater is smart enough that when you tell it I need the ID difference between the ID I need the temperature difference between the ID and OD not to exceed X amount, 30 degrees 40 degrees, 50 degrees, whatever the manufacturer specifies the system is smart enough to realize that when you reach that temperature, that that difference between ID and OD, it will stop and allow the OD to catch up to the ID and then continue to heat. So this process will take a little longer. But by taking a little longer, you're doing it correct. So in this case, speed is not it was a speed kills. In this, ca- in, this, in, in this case, speed will kill, you know, the faster you heat it, the faster you're going to kill the bearing. So you should take your time. So how fast does it go? It can go really fast. It could take 30 seconds, depending on, on the bearing itself. It can take two minutes, could take 10 minutes. But when you have situations with like high precision bearings, time should not be an issue.
1: <laughs> that, that's typical in reliability, but the always the question is, is how do you convince others that you need that time?
2: Correct. And, and that's that's a problem. And and the problem comes um, and actually the solution comes when you ask, well, how often does this particular bearing fail? And if the answer is every three months or every six months, that's 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 your answer. Your answer is, it's because you're not doing proper installation. So take your time to do it properly, and you're not going to have it in three months or in six months. You It might be 24 months. It might be 36 months because you did it correctly and properly to begin with.
1: And that's, you know, that's the battle of reliability, right, is overcoming the urgency of now to really get to that next year or in a couple years or five years or in the life cycle of your facility. Correct. What are your top tips? So let's say someone's listening out there and and like myself, like I I wasn't very versed in installing a bearing, but you know, what are some top tips that you have for someone out there who's listening, who wants to either ask their maintenance people the right questions, or if they're looking at how their people do it and they want to improve them?
2: Well, first question would be is how are we storing the bearings? Is the store, is, 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 the bearing stored flat? Is it hanging from a hook? Is it a clean environment? Uh, not only cleanliness, but is it temperature stable? You know, you don't have huge swings in the summer. It's a hundred and in the winter it's, you know, zero. Uh, so that's one question. The next question is, is when, when you're, selecting a bearing. Are, are you selecting the proper bearing? Are you losing, using the same bearing you had before? Are we measuring? You know, like a carpenter, you measure twice and you cut once. So measure to make sure that we got the proper bearing. Um, are they are they examining the shaft? Are they making sure the shaft is clean? Is it free of birds? Is it free of imperfections? Um, are they monitoring the temperature of the bearing during installation? If they are, how are they doing it? Obviously, if they're using an induction heater, the unit will do it, but there's induction heaters out there that are on off. So they use a temp stick, you know. So are they using proper uh, the proper tools for monitoring the temperature? Are they using prop- proper safety equipment? You asked me the question, what do you need for, for an induction heater? Well, in this case, do they have the proper gloves? So safety is, 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 is a huge concern. And, and, and secondly is, is, you know, do we have a problem with bearing failures? That's the, the first question they should be asking. I mean, you go into a, a storage facility or, or their warehouse or their tool room or, or the bearing room, and in, instead of having, you know, a couple bearings sitting around, they have hundreds of bearings because they're failing on a huge rate. They should be asking, well, what are we doing wrong that we need this many bearings for this many failures? So those, those would be the typical questions that, that I would ask if I went into a facility and asked, okay, so we have a pr- proper bearing installation failure. So here are the questions you need to ask in order to determine, are we doing it right? Or are we not doing it right?
1: Yeah, those are some great points. And for a lot of the reliability people out there that are listening, you know, it's, walking around your storage room, you know, you're going to be able to pick out things that are fairly obvious, like cleanliness, those types of things. And you don't even necessarily need to be an expert in bearing installation to pick that stuff up. And the other one, you know, when you talk to burn about the, you know, are we having issues with bearing failures? That's another thing that as a reliability person, like you need to be on top of that already with your job. So you should be looking at the the information that you can garner from your CMMS or, you know, wherever you, you house that type of data and really be on top of it. Like how long are they lasting? What are the average lives? How long should they be lasting? Those types of questions you should be thinking about and really help you nail down your program. So, Burn, my last question for you. I I, got, I love this question because I like to see different people's thoughts on you know the future of reliability. So, over the last few years, we've really seen some different technologies pop up with the IoT, augmented reality, virtual reality. Even um, as people are listening to it, this we did an episode this week with Tim Ingram. On reliability, blockchain. So, using blockchain technology to share reliability data. So, we got all these technologies that are coming up. Where do you see the future of reliability going?
2: Well, the beauty, the, the beauty of the technology is, you know, you used to have to um, read the manual on how to repair something. Now you can almost virtually go in and see how a machine functions and, and uh, repair it virtually before you actually go on the field to do it. Um, like, you know, who, who nowadays reads a manual? You go to you go to uh, YouTube and watch the video on how to do it. Um, so nowadays, with, with all this technology, you know, you, you can sit at the comfort of your desk and see how things work and how things get done and how they can... Can be fixed. That there's really no excuse anymore. We're reaching a point to having no excuse anymore to saying, "Ooh, we did it wrong, or we didn't do it correctly, or we didn't know how to do it." Uh, so, the the when you see the technology leaps and mounts and being able to sit on your desk and see how a machine works internally, and, and not just, "Oh, look, it's a motor running," and take it apart, take the top off, and take the windings out, and take this out, and take that out. And, Point at the different locations and have all the information on your fingertips before you even step foot on the shop. It's amazing. It's 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 crazy how that 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 that's moving forward.
1: Yeah, it's it's really exciting time, and, and I mean, you know, learning skills. A lot of learning skills is deliberate practice, repetition, and kind of experiencing different situations around what you're doing, and so with these technologies like virtual reality and augmented reality you can experience those many different times without actually going and having to screw up your equipment like you can do that in your office and if you break your your virtual motor it doesn't really
2: matter correct absolutely correct i mean we see it with with we see it with pilots nowadays and you know they have thousands of hours in flying uh, machines not airplanes you know it's okay to crash that one but once you crash the real one we got a problem so that that real that virtual reality is 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 there for for everybody to 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 be able to do their job correctly
1: and i'm looking forward to the ludeca virtual reality bearing installer
2: <laughs> uh, me too <laughs> We're actually, we're working on a procedure, so um, I'm, I'm going to plug us a little bit here. Uh, we're working on procedure on proper bearing installation. We hope to have that available soon, so uh, anybody that's, that, that's interested in that, and also our blog has quite a few nice tips and whatnot on, on, on induction heaters, so on our website Um we have quite a bit of information. Hopefully, one day we'll we'll have our virtual reality in there that they'll be able to to to, to see how a proper bearing is installed there. But uh, we'll have to do with just having a, a a nice chart that somebody can put on the wall in their maintenance room and say this is this is the procedure in order to do proper bearing installation.
1: Yeah, perfect. And and then you also have the precision alignment or shaft alignment procedure. So if people don't have either one of those and they want them, l-u-d-e-c-a.com. Bernd, are you going to be at any conferences coming up this year? Or if people want to reach out to you because they have some questions, where could they
2: find you? On LinkedIn. Best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Any questions that they might have on on induction heaters? I have a, a couple of blogs that I've already put up, and working on some other ones uh, comparing different methods of uh, bearing installation. So um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, my days of going to conferences have, have long been gone. But um, you know, virtually I'm on LinkedIn and available uh, for anybody that has any questions. So yeah, that's the best place.
1: Perfect. So if you're listening and you want to reach out to Burned check the podcast notes, or if you got here through LinkedIn, he'll be tagged in the post as well. So, Burn, I appreciate you coming on and, and teaching me a little bit about bearing installation.
2: My pleasure, anytime. That's, that's uh, uh, I, I can't say it's one of my passions, but it's something I feel very strongly about because everybody else works on the tail end. I'm working at the beginning, so um, I, I take that, quite serious that uh, I I like to make sure that stuff gets done correctly and properly from the beginning and how important it is because I don't want to say it's the black sheep, but they they would just basically throw it on and we'll worry about it or or let the alignment and vibration and and lubrication guys worry about it. No, I want them to worry about it so that the other guys don't have to worry about it.
1: (laughs) That's the big point, right? Like, and it's something that we come back to a lot on this show is like in reliability we we do a lot with root cause analysis and five whys and all this all this kind of failure finding activity but the root causes these are the installation practices the spare room practices the design practices the, the equipment selection practices a lot of the fundamental stuff and then we don't have to worry about later on
2: that is absolutely correct
1: awesome So for everyone listening, you know, I appreciate you listening. I hope you guys learned as much as I did from this episode.